Hello and welcome everyone. I am your host, Simon, pastor of Family Life Ministries here at Christ Central SF. You are listening to the Type 5. Whether you are a new listener or have been with us from the very beginning, I wanted to thank you all for tuning in. Also, if you have any comments, questions, prayers, please send them to podcast at ChristCentralSF.com. All right, I'll start here. In college, there was a person who everyone knew as, as being a solid believer. He was a community group leader. He attended church all his life. He knew the Bible very well. He was very well respected. And I remember having a conversation with that person and he told me, um, I'm going to take a break from church. And the reason why is not because there's any ill feelings or because he was burnt out, but because the church had become a crutch. He was saying it It was too habitual. It was too comfortable. He was only surrounded by other Christians. And so he was going to see if his faith was genuine and if it can survive without the church. At the time, I was thinking, wow, you are so mature. That's crazy how you would think like that, how you'd want to challenge yourself in that way. It's like, you know, when a young adult leaves their parents' home and and tries to make it for themselves. I I thought it was an act of maturity. However, after going through seminary and serving in ministry, I realized that mentality, that attitude wasn't maturity, it's actually immaturity. It's foolish to think that you can survive on your own without the church. In fact, it goes against the gospel. Because the gospel doesn't teach us to be strong and independent and and on our own. The gospel teaches us that we are weak, that we are dependent, that we need help. We need community. This is how we grow. This is how we thrive as Christians. That's what Psalm 133 focuses on. And that's coming up right after this. Let me start by reading from Psalm 133. This is Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life, forevermore. In verse 1, the psalmist starts this psalm by proclaiming, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's clear that the word brothers in this context is referring to Christians. He's, He's talking about the church. Now one thing to keep in mind, Notice that this isn't a command. He isn't saying you have to go to church. In fact, 
There isn't a single command in this entire psalm. Also, it's not a guilt trip. He, he isn't saying, hey, aren't you a Christian? Aren't you supposed to go to church? He doesn't say that. He Rather, he's just exclaiming how, how great the church is. It's like when you watch an epic movie and you can't help but tell everyone about it. The psalmist is doing the same thing. He's telling us the, the greatness of church. If, if Christian community was something tangible, if, if, if there was a way that he could pick it up and, and lift it high, that's what he would be doing, right? He, he would pick it up and lift it high and show how awesome it is. He would say, behold, look at how great Christian community is. Then he goes on and he gives two illustrations to explain this. The, the first illustration uh, teaches us how we ought to properly view Christian community. Take a minute. If you have to pause a podcast, that works. I want you to think about your favorite moments of fellowship at church. When did you experience unity and a sense of community in the deepest way? Maybe for you, you thought of a retreat where you got close to to everyone uh, in your group Maybe for you, you were serving at VBS. Maybe you went on a short-term mission trip before. Or maybe it was a community group where everyone was vulnerable and, and committed to one another. Needless to say, there are plenty of examples, great examples, of unity that one can think of. What picture comes into the head of the psalmist? Verse 2, this is what he pictures. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. I think it's safe to assume no one had this picture in mind. This is weird. Imagine a guy getting drenched in oil from head to toe. And someone says, wow, that's Christian community. Look at how great it is. It's very unusual, to say the least. But see, for the Israelites, this would have made much more sense. See, in order to understand this imagery, you have to look at Leviticus 8.12 and Exodus 30, verse 30. In these passages, it talks about how oil was poured on Aaron to consecrate him. This was done because Aaron was the priest, and this means he needed to make animal sacrifices on behalf of the Israelites. However, you cannot just enter the holy place and stand before God because you are unholy. As a result, in Exodus 28, it talks about how the priest had to wear special garments and with a special breastplate. He had to be anointed with special oil. And he had to do all these things in order to approach God. And so basically, to, to summarize and to get to the, po- to the point, the picture that the psalmist gives here is basically a picture of us being in right standing with God. In other words, the psalmist is reminding us why we have this fellowship in the first place. And see, I want you to think about how how crazy this is. Because, you know, the psalmist could have talked about so many better reasons for why they should be united. He could have mentioned Moses and how the Israelites traveled for 
40 years in the wilderness. If you suffer together for, for 40 years, that long, I guarantee you, you will be close. Just think about it. What if our church went on a 40-year wilderness hike together? I guarantee we would be close. Probably too close. That seems like a much better example of unity than Aaron being drenched in oil. But at the end of the day, the psalmist knows this is not why they are there together. That's not why they are connected. There's a deeper bond than that. The psalmist is, uh, sorry, the Israelites were connected not because of their experiences, their sufferings, some event, even their race. But ultimately, it is because of their faith. And such is the case for us. Our unity is not about status. It's not about race. It's not about gender. It's not about education. It's not about experiences or sufferings or retreats or mission trips. Rather, what unites us is that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And thus, we are united because we all come under the headship of Christ. Anything other than this falls short. Martin Luther once mentioned how the devil would want you to turn Christian community to just be about friends where you sit among roses and lilies. I think if we're honest, this is what we want sometimes. We want to be comfortable and and have fun and sit among roses and lilies. If you move to a different city and and you were to look for a different church, chances are a lot of it will be based on social reasons, right? Do I fit in? Am I going to make friends? Can I find uh, a community that's fun here? Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing bad with having friends at church. But if we want to truly embrace Christian community, that can't be our primary focus. When you talk with people and meet people, it's not about compatibility or who you're comfortable with. It's about the common bond we have in Christ. And this means people of God, when we come to church, we need to be more uncomfortable. Right? We need to reach out to those who may not look or talk exactly like yourself. Right? Go talk to the stranger who, who looks completely lost. To the younger generation, go talk to the older generation and, and vice versa. I know that's uncomfortable, but that's a better picture of what Christian community should look like. Because once again, we're all the same. We're sinners in need of a Savior. Dietrich Bonhoeffer summarized it best. He said this, quote, uh, What determines our brotherhood is what that man is by reason of Christ. Our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done to both of us. This is true not merely at the beginning, as though in the course of time something else were to be added to our community. It remains so for all the future and to all eternity. I have community with others and I shall continue to have it only through Jesus Christ. The more genuine and the deeper our community becomes, the more will everything 
else between us recede, the more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. We have one another only through Christ, but through Christ we do have one another wholly for eternity. One who wants more than what Christ has established does not want Christian brotherhood. This is the proper view of Christian community. Age, interests, race, status, all of that should be nothing compared to the bond we have in Christ. Moving on, uh, we come to verse 3. Let me read it. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Once again, this is kind of weird. Why talk about dew falling from one mountain to another? It seems like a, a strange imagery, but once again for the Israelites, this would have made sense. In order to understand the simile, what you have to know is that her, uh, Mount Hermon was uh, one of the highest mountains in Israel. And so naturally, since it was one of the highest, the dew would be bountiful and fresh. Compare that to Mount Zion, which had very little plant life because it was too dry. However, because the dew from Mount Hermon would fall to Zion, there would be vegetation. And so the picture that the psalmist gives here is basically that of life. Thus, what he is saying is, Christian unity is like the dew of Hermon, because it produces life. This is why Christian community is necessary, because when we gather together, there is spiritual growth, there is sanctification. The Bible says in Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, iron sharpens iron. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12, it talks about how two are better than one. In Galatians 6, 2, it says, bear one another's burdens. Again and again, you, you can see that there is life, there is growth when Christians gather together. And this is something we can be sure of because our hope and confidence is not in man, but in God. Look at the end. He says, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. You know, I know that Christian community can be difficult sometimes. I hear people say, you know, I love God, but I can't stand the church. Or, you know, I'm a Christian, but I only go for Easter and Christmas. And oftentimes the reason is because Christians are hypocritical. They're mean. They're judgmental. And I'm here to tell you that all of that is absolutely true. I am included. I am guilty of this as well. So are all of us. But see, don't you, don't you see, that's why we need the church. That's why we need community to sharpen each other. Yes, we are sinners. The community is full of sinners. 
but because God is in control, because God is the one who created this. He works through our gatherings. He works through our community to produce life and sanctification. To quote Bonhoeffer again, but God has put this word into the mouth of men in order that it may be communicated to other men. When one person is struck by the word, he speaks it to others. God has willed that we should seek and find his living word in the witness of a brother, in the mouth of man. Therefore, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself without belaying the truth. He needs his brother man as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. And that also clarifies the goal of all Christian community. They meet one another as bringers of the message of salvation. You will not grow apart from this community. You cannot thrive as a Christian without your brothers and sisters. We need others to speak Christ into our lives. And know that through this, God works to equip and mature us. And see, friends, at the end of the day, isn't that the goal? As Christians, isn't that our common pursuit in life? To know and to grow and to deepen in our love for Jesus. If this is something that you want, prioritize the community. Do not get in the habit of of skipping church and don't get in the habit of coming then leaving. You miss out when you do this. Once again, this isn't a guilt trip. Remember, there isn't even a command here. Rather, it's a declaration. God created an amazing community that you are a part of and that you get to enjoy. And so let's do that. Embrace the flaws. Love the church. Invest in your community. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, everyone. God bless.